Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. It's your host, Lauren, here. And your co-host, Brad. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for Round clapping. Round of applause for Bradley. I think I've grown. I, I don't think I need the self-esteem no, boost. No, you're still 5'3". <laughs> <laughs> you have not grown. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I'm, it's sad but true. Sad but true. I think mentally I've grown okay. oh, to not Okay, need. I thought you meant height-wise. I'm no, so sorry. No, that's so, okay. So, so sorry. That's really okay. I'm, I am trying in other areas, though. So you can get, They have the lift shoes, you know? They, that you can... I do. I, I have them right now. That's, <laughs> that's how I get the three inches on the five there. <laughs> oh. So. But anyway, yeah, anyway, I think we have a great guest today, <laughs> yeah. don't we? Clearly, he's been putting up with our, our antics so far. <laughs> no, you go ahead. Go ahead and yeah, introduce ahead. our new guest. All right, yeah. So today we're here with Roy Sexton. He is the director of marketing at Clark Hill. Welcome, Roy. Hi. We clap for, we clap for Brad and we clap for the guests. I, I got more applause than Brad. That's yeah. good. Yeah, you're taller. I am. And you have more hair. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I read a lot about you, and you have quite the background. So cut it to like the 12-minute bio and not the 45-minute. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do today. It's it's all lies. Okay. So you see the movie Catch Me If You Can. I just make things up. I was an airline pilot. Were you really? neurosurgeon. No, none of those things. Do you know Leonardo DiCaprio? I am Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. 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 I thought I recognized (laughs) Roy. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I, no. I don't see. I don't see. I don't, no, I'm not. I no. I I have been in legal um, the better part of a decade. Uh, I've been in marketing or planning roles for about twenty years. I I always I have imposter syndrome terribly. I feel like I've talked my way into jobs I am not qualified oh, to. Have. I was I was an English and theater major at a small liberal arts all male college in Indiana, and then got a master's in theater. And then I was like, oh, I should probably figure out. A job, <laughs> and uh, ended up in fundraising. Ended up at Deloitte. I mean, it kind of went from thing to thing. I ended up was in healthcare for a decade, and that got me into the world of strategic planning and marketing. Mm. At one point, my husband was like, "Why don't you get an MBA? Because if you ever want another job, people are going to be like, what? Uh, so <laughs> I uh, got finished healthcare my MBA. Theater. It's fine. Yeah, um, marketing was added to my portfolio at the healthcare system, and that's when I was like, okay, I. I like this. It does apply a lot of the theater training I have in terms mm-hmm. of understanding an audience, the narrative, and connecting with people. And back then in healthcare, it was very much consumer-faced marketing. And you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I've sold doctors, I've sold lawyers. I'm probably going to go for either the gun industry or the funeral home industry. <laughs> I mean, I sell things nobody wants, really. Um, after I'd been in healthcare for a decade, I was like, I can't. It's a very bureaucratic uh, industry, it, it takes a long time to make change. And I wanted something new. And I just threw my resume out there and landed at a law firm. I wasn't, hmm. I didn't plan to be in legal. I mean, I don't think anybody sets out to be, I want to grow up and be a legal marketer, mommy and daddy. <laughs> so um, there was a local law firm, a mortgage foreclosure firm. And in the irony that is my life, I and mean, we shouldn't talk politics, but I'm a gay liberal from Ann Arbor. And I went to work for the Republican foreclosure king of Southeast Michigan. And I did that for <laughs> Six years wow. helped him run for. I know it's a. I have a checkered history. <laughs> Tell me more. But he 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 ran for Congress. I got to see that he won. You know, it was a very interesting experience at the time. And and, and did you vote for him? Uh, no, <laughs> it was in a different county. I I got okay. out of it. I didn't. Ooh, thank goodness. <laughs> but he no. did have me. He did have me uh, MC his uh, his victory night party. I said, "Do you really want to hand me a microphone?" Right? <laughs> 
every Republican in Oakland story. County. I know. Yeah. And he did. He goes, no, I, in fact, I want you to have a microphone for that crowd. And we, you know, I mean, I think when we remember politics in this country, there has been a time when you really, regardless of your perspective, you could break bread together and have right. conversation. And and so that job helped me with that. And I loved working there. It was hard sometimes to go, I, I market a mortgage foreclosure firm. I mean, even though I understood the work was necessary and what they were doing, yeah, it was time at a certain point to say, okay, what other kinds of work can I do? I got involved as an organization called the Legal Marketing Association. There mm-hmm. is a thing. We call ourselves LMA, and my mother's always like, Ellie May, like the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh. <laughs> yes, mom. Yeah, Let's and go with um, it. that helped. I mean, it gave me a, a sense of professional standing. I wrote, I spoke, I, I've been on various boards. I'm on the international board now as their treasurer. And that got me really that, you know, the in my 30s to go, okay, I see the professional path ahead of me. I'm good with attorneys. I know how to help them, very bright, very articulate, very interesting people, get past the lawyer persona toward what is the personality I need to put forth to connect with my clients and prospective clients. And I, I think helping attorneys find that common humanity is is the magic moment where you're like, okay, now you know how to market and present yourself. So this is, I'm at my third firm now, Clark Hill. I was at the mortgage foreclosure firm. I was at a small white shoe firm doing really good work. It was my first sort of conventional firm that I mm-hmm. worked for. And interestingly, Clark Hill's nine floors up in the same building. And then they thought <laughs> wow. I was doing. And they said, I felt like I was in that. You remember uh, the secret of my success or how to succeed in business without really trying? I was like going up one set of elevators to, to interview <laughs> and come down another. Um, and I, you know, that was the first time in my life I had somebody tap me on the shoulder too and say, We like what you're doing over here. Why don't you come and do this for us? And it's a, it's a fantastic firm. 25 offices, 650 attorneys. It's the biggest organization geographically I've ever supported in a really amazing growth trajectory. And I, you know, a, a, just a, the, the character, the culture, it's very accessible, very inclusive. Obviously, I'm not like the other boys. You're picking that up from this conversation. I am celebrated for who I am, for what voice I can bring. Uh, we have authentic conversations. It's not this sort of upstairs, downstairs thing you sometimes see in law firms where if you're not a lawyer, your voice doesn't quite count mm-hmm. as much. Uh, you know, I've, I've found that in the past couple of years, I've been able to really positively influence the culture. I have a great boss. She's in Dublin, Ireland, not Dublin, Ohio. Mm. And, I, you know, that I've never had that experience. I've got a <laughs> boss in Dublin and I've got people who work for me in California. So I never sleep. But, you know, I, I really have, uh, it's been a great growth opportunity for me. And I think the firm, as it continues to define itself, you know, we're strong and uh, corporate, uh, litigation, obviously, labor and employment, education, energy, a lot of interesting uh, uh, disciplines. We're really focused on industry these days. Uh, transportation and logistics is a key area for us. The uh, government relations side of things, um, uh, automotive and manufacturing and retail. So as we as we build in those areas, it's really fun given my ADD that's never been diagnosed, to really get to work in a lot of different areas and focus on different industries and figure out the message that will resonate. So I, I don't, that was, was that like 13 minutes? How long did I, how, did, how long did I go? 12 minutes and 35 seconds, but it was good. Mm. <laughs> no, no, it was It was really a great good. 12 minutes. Yeah, and so, so one of the things that you mentioned in your bio as you're walking through it was, you know, getting the attorneys to understand their brand and how to market it is... Is that difficult to do? How do you get them it to is. understand who they are to be able to market themselves? 
I, you know, we all have attorneys in our lives. We've worked with attorneys and, and I, I hate when people take a group of people and paint them with a broad brush. And I'm about to do that. You know, I don't like it when people go Gen Y or self-absorbed or baby boomers or this. I don't, I, it makes me crazy. Or but. those pretty blonde girls. They're all the same. Yeah. I get that a lot. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant and poised. No, but I, I think attorneys have a, a challenge. I think they, they are, I'm an introvert, which no one believes. So they, they tend to, and it's where you get your energy. I like being alone and that's where I get my energy. And I think attorneys are very introspective, introverted people. They process internally. We, we know they, they chart off the scale from an autonomy perspective. So when they're that way and they're driven, throwing them into one organization and saying, now collaborate, while competing with each other, it's like it takes a unique personality to kind of navigate all of that and say, I see you for the special human being you are. You are unique, but you're unique like everybody else. You know, there, there's a time where you, you that uniqueness, you need to, to find your authenticity to connect with people. And I, I think attorneys plague themselves because they want to be different but they don't want to be too different. So when you work mm-hmm. with an attorney, they're always like, I want to stand out. I want people to know I'm a super lawyer. Okay, here's a great, interesting way to do that. Well, what are other law firms doing? <laughs> I right. don't care what other law firms are doing. I want to do something different because exactly. I want people to find you. So you you find yourself very agile. My improv skills, argumentation, whatever I got from my liberal arts background, you, you have to make a case every time you're offering something to an attorney. They will come to you thinking you are there to serve their needs. And you have to say, you hired me for what's in my brain, not just what I can do with my hands. So let's think this through together. And I, I have found that when I use logic and empathy and have a conversation with the attorney and say, look, I, I see what's great in you. You can do this. You can do that. I, I'll tell you, I do look at their offices just like you looked at my background and I go, wow, I see you're really into hockey. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I can't talk about hockey, but you know, <laughs> if there's an interest that there clearly is a passion for them, how can you leverage that? How can you get to know them as a human being? And they'll tell you a whole lot about right. themselves. And when you learn those things, you have to encourage them to share that in addition to, you know, they want to issue the client alert that is no one wants to read because it's very smart and lawyerly. And you go, I have no idea what I read. <laughs> so you're like, can you tell us a little bit about why this matters? Connect with your audience. You're trying to connect with people who aren't lawyers. They assume you're a good lawyer. They want to know you're a human being that will understand their needs and issues. And, and it's, it's kind of fun. And when it works, when you reach somebody and you see them be successful with a podcast or or a technique that you've offered social media, I mean, I, I push a lot of that kind of thing. I, I don't push in-person events. I don't push sponsorships. I think they're kind of a, a waste sometimes, to be honest. And attorneys gravitate to that stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Can I write a $10,000 check and will I get business? No. <laughs> you're you're going to go and you're going to have a name on the side of a punch bowl and you're going to talk to the same three lawyers you saw at the Bar Association. <laughs> so you're wasting your money. But if you do a podcast or you write an article or you get in the habit of helping people, yeah, provide that knowledge. They're going to call you because they're, and, and it's going to lead to other media opportunities and it's going to lead to you being known for the thing that you want to be known for, which is in your brain. I, I joked on another presentation in the office uh, uh, for the firm. I'm not in the office, obviously, I'm in the basement, but, um, <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, you didn't buy an iPhone because Steve Jobs took you to a football game. You bought an iPhone because it, it market, they marketed it well. They knew it solved a, a problem. They solved problems we didn't even know we had. Yeah. And 
I won't say that they market with thought leadership, but in a way they kind of do because it's like, wow, this is a technique and a tool. I didn't even know my life could be transformed by this tiny device. So if you think about an attorney, I don't, I don't want to go to a football game with my attorney. I don't want to have dinner with my attorney. <laughs> I want to have dinner with my family. I want to go, go to a movie by myself. I want an attorney who will help me solve problems and sometimes not bill me for that. Like here's an article that addresses some key issues we're, we've heard over and over. Mm-hmm. We're not billing you for this. This is just something that's going right. to help you it's out. Gonna help you. And then they go, wow, that was so helpful. I have a complex issue now. I'm going to call this person. Because exactly. I like their line, I like the way they approach issues. So it, it's not no, it's not rocket science, but people get in their own way. It's like I now know what fitness coaches go through. It's like you hired I hired you as a fitness coach. Why don't I have abs? Well, because you have to eat better and exercise and do the things I told you to do, which is why I don't have abs. <laughs> but you know, and I feel that way sometimes when you're when you're interviewing for one of these jobs, they're like, oh, I love the way you think. I want to have you in the firm and help change things. And then I start collecting a paycheck and they're like, well, I know you're the expert, but don't you think it would be better if I wore cat ears in my bio photo? And I'm like, no, what? No. (laughs) But, and then they're arguing with me about an idea that I'm like, no, you said I'm the expert, but you don't really mean that. It's like when the friend comes up to you and says, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but then don't say it. I don't want to know what it is. That's awesome. And, and I totally agree with everything you said. I could just sit here and listen to you talk all day. And I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I like something that you brought up when you're when you're talking to these lawyers and you're getting to know them, you're asking questions. It, it pinged me to something we talked about just a couple weeks ago that attorneys, they should be doing that same thing with their clients too. And that's mm-hmm. something that is so overlooked. You know, when you have someone come into the office, there's a good chance that they could be going through something that's tough, that's personable. Yeah. And so I totally agree with you, Roy. You know, the thought leadership, provide educational tools, provide knowledge, help them out, but also just be that ear for them to listen to, you know, let them know that you actually care what they're going through and that you're going to help them. You're not helping the the matter that they have or, or the practice area their matter falls within with one standard solution. You're helping them specifically. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. And, you know, a friend of mine, Jay Harrington, if you're not following him on LinkedIn, I would. He, he, he writes eloquently. He's a former, he's a recovering attorney, I like to call him. And now he's a <laughs> He markets attorneys, but he writes just a, a quick a LinkedIn entry every day, and it's always good stuff. And he said, look, right now, the best marketing you can do is picking up the phone and asking somebody how they're doing. Right. Or if you know somebody has a particular you know, food they like or their kids are struggling, send them a quick gift. Yeah. And you don't have to do this with your marketing team. Don't, because that happens. Like, well, find me the best gift marketing person that I can send <laughs> this client. No, Here's you, your you punch bowl it. with my firm's yeah. name on it. And, and I'm sorry, lawyers, you make enough money. It doesn't need to go through the marketing budget. <laughs> you know, do a sugar sugar wish gift card for $20 and send, and that's right. going to make somebody's day and they're going to remember you. Exactly. More than that, that pie you send every Christmas. I mean, it's <laughs> let it be authentic and of the moment. So, 100%. And so, uh, you talked a lot about how you approach the attorneys that you work with. And I'm very in line with that because it's a lot about, you know, helping them and letting them know they should use their knowledge and they should share that. And I think we all know here that attorneys, you know, we talk about this all the time. They don't go to school and learn business, they, they, learn, they learn law. Right. And so, they're pushed out into the world. And, oh my God, I 
have to do accounting. I have to do marketing. I have Mm -hmm. to write job descriptions and find someone to fill those jobs. I don't know how to do that. That's not what I learned. And so I think, you know, you obviously do a great job of helping from a marketing standpoint. But on the flip side, there's also this this situation where the actual clients that are coming to these firms are looking for something almost I would say opposite from a marketing perspective. You know, attorneys have their goals from from a marketing perspective. They know what their end goal is. They know how they, or they think they know how they're talking to these consumers. But the clients, it doesn't always match up. They could be wanting to hear something completely different. How do you help bridge that gap? I, I think, well, there are a couple ways. One of which sometimes is use data as your friend. So you you might know that the the piece they want to send out or the podcast they want to record the way they want to record it is not going to resonate. And you, you have to plant the seed for, I don't think this is going to land the way you think it will, but let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the open rates, you look at the shares, you look at the social media hits, and you say, you know what, you put time and energy into this, but it didn't quite get the response we thought it would. Now, can I offer my perspective on how it can be better? So sometimes you you have to, and I don't mean you set people up for failure, but <laughs> if someone has dug their heels in and they're like, this is what I want to do. And, and there are those, every firm has those attorneys. They just, yeah. and I think it comes from a place of, I worked with doctors for a long time and I've worked with attorneys. They are trained to be supremely confident in all things. We want them. If I'm going to have open heart surgery, I want that confident. person to be yeah. very confident. And if I'm having someone litigate a, 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 a terrible, you know, I'm in the middle of a terrible lawsuit or something, I want someone that's like, I got this. But that same energy can't be applied to every task. You, you can't have that same confidence about every discipline. That's why you need an HR person. You mm-hmm. need to find it. Let them do their jobs. It's hard for attorneys, especially because all they see is risk everywhere. They're trained not to trust anyone. And then they bring people like me into the fold who didn't go to law school. And they're like, you have the keys to the kingdom, communicate to the world. And they get nervous. Yeah. And so you, you have to use data and exemplify the things that are working and aren't working. And when you have a moment where one attorney has had success with something you've suggested, a way of reframing the conversation. Look at look at what tools are out there. We use something called JD Super, which is a syndication mm-hmm. channel that that gets the content into the hands of the people who are interested in it. And the attorneys are like, I don't want this just on the website. Get me in the New York Times. I'm like, I ain't getting you in the New York Times, <laughs> but we're going to put it on the website. But when it goes on the website, it goes out on these channels. The New York Times is reading JD Supra. And then we can go back and say, how many people opened your article? Who were the people who read it? And the nice thing about a tool like that is it also shows what are other things they're interested in. Mm-hmm. So then you can start to reframe the way they share information and say, this is, this is the way people want to receive information. You might want to tell it this way, but it's not going to land properly. Let's look at the data. Let's look at the feedback we're receiving. And when you have a success story with an attorney, then do a victory lap. When you have a practice meeting, get them together and celebrate that attorney who followed your direction and had success <laughs> and have them speak as well. You know, say, here's the formula we're following. And then the attorney gets up and says, yeah, this really worked for me. They are competitive enough with one another that use that to your advantage. You're like, well, if that worked mm-hmm. for Pat, maybe it'll work for me. And I'm like, uh-huh. And then you suddenly, <laughs> then you find yourself on the other end of the problem. You're not fighting people to get them to go uphill. You're now going, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I don't have the bandwidth to support all of you. And then you have to worry about the prioritization of things. Yeah. It's a different problem. But you use the examples that you have before you use data if you have it. And where you have a success, celebrate the heck out of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's obviously unfortunate when you try something and it doesn't work, but you do have that data then that says this did not work for me. It may work for somebody else, but you know, at that point it it, it won't work for you. And that's reality. It's going to happen from time to time, but that's part of the process too, understanding what does and doesn't work and being able to grow and learn from there. understand why. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that you had mentioned was inside of uh, a firm, there are specific things to market to. There are specific ways to market to it. Um, and, you know, you're part of a much larger firm, and they have their own marketing, obviously, yourself. Right. But there's right. a lot of firms out there that aren't big enough for right. having a marketing. If that is the case, do you recommend uh, partnering with somebody that can market or has marketed with attorneys or law firms in the past? Or does any marketing group just work for that? I want to say, no, you can work with anybody because I started in legal marketing with a healthcare background, mm-hmm. but I am cautious that I had at least a significant marketing uh, background under my belt and I didn't train as a marketer. So I actually came at it from a different perspective, which I mm-hmm. think benefited me in being more of a problem solver with attorneys. I think someone who is not familiar with the unique business model and the personality type of attorneys can crash and burn very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a sensitivity. And I learned that the hard way with my first firm. Like, for example, I we were, were so survey happy in healthcare. I thought there's no big deal in doing a, a client survey, right? I'll just have the intern put it together. We'll do a summer survey. We'll find out what's going on. I checked with a managing partner. He said, that's great. I got the results. I said, Dave, what should we do with these? Oh, you should meet down, meet with the executive committee and go over this with them. I said, well, okay. So I sat down and I said, hey, I did this survey. I got the, You did what? You conducted a survey? <laughs> How did you write the questions? I wouldn't have written the question that way. Um, well, I can't t- I can't use this data because I don't like the way the question was written. And it was about answering the telephone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I could have ended my short legal career right there going, are you kidding me? I thought you gave me a job and you trusted me with the task. But you right. have to go, there's a question behind the question here, a friend mm-hmm. of mine likes to say. And what's happening? It's not that the survey was, they're not familiar with this process. They don't mm-hmm. know what it is. They're, they learn by argumentation and punching holes in things. So don't get discouraged. Find the love language to use. So they understand why do I need to conduct a survey with my clients? You, you mentioned client in a feedback a bit ago. An attorney usually doesn't want someone else talking to their client, but that's so important. Someone other than the attorney has to talk to that client because we don't like to tell the person we work with every day, I hate the shoes you wear or yeah. when you chew gum but we might tell somebody else. And then you hang on to that client because that client will just ghost out on you because they never want to have the difficult conversation with an argumentative attorney that knows all their business. They'll just go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But if there's a third party that says, hey, so to your original question, do you need somebody who has some experience in the legal industry or professional services or has a lot of lawyers in their family? (laughs) Probably. Because you're going to get over that initial hurdle more quickly. right? And get past the personality stuff and get to then you can get to the pure task. Because I think the pure marketing of legal, it's not that different than marketing anything. Don't tell anybody I told you that. I mean, it's <laughs> its basically what is unique about this, who cares, and what's the right way for me to deliver it? Mm-hmm. And then measure that and see how it works. And I grossly simplified that, but <laughs> that's true if I'm selling tires or lawyers or myself. But it's the getting everyone to agree on what makes them dis- different. That's hard because that requires consensus and people's ego and pride. The way you tell it, 
there's some interest in that. Sometimes people like the message to land a certain way, but again, they're only thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about the person who receives. And then once you have success in measurement, that's kind of fully in your your camp as a marketer. But I, I do think having some background in legal is helpful. Mm-hmm. If you're a solo, if you're on your own or you're a small firm, you know there are scalable agencies out there that can give you a, a fractional CMO where you're like, I can't hire somebody to be the CMO all the time. I need somebody to check in with us a couple times a month. Now, the downside there is it tends to go through a marketing committee and those guys think it's we're making all the list of all the activities and it's always wrong. And then that fractional CMO has to come in and talk them out of about 20 ideas to give them three that will work. But the right personality can do that and then show them what does work. And lawyers are trainable. They Once they see some things work, they will repeat them. They will think they were their own ideas. And you got to be fine with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. I told you this three months Just ago. Just let them take no. it. Yep. Yeah. And now you're doing it. But I, I, so I think it does take a certain kind of savvy and a certain, you have to have a thick skin. So, yeah. you know, I, 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 there's, it's not an easy answer to that question. I think it depends on the firm too. If they're pretty sophisticated and they seem like self-starters in these kinds of things, then yeah, you could probably have a marketer from, from any kind of industry that might help them out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you too, but I lean more towards having some sort of experience because like you yeah. said, really helping to to bridge that gap. And even, you know, on a, a day-to-day basis, understanding what you can and can't say, like, what if you are talking to well, a client and you mess up and, and you, you tell them something which maybe could be taken as advice or, you right. know, things like understanding that advertisements have to follow certain, you know, rules exactly. from a compliance standpoint. And I always worry if there is someone that doesn't necessarily have some sort of a background, something pretty simple like that might get overlooked, you know? Right. There are technical, and and they're not terribly complex, but if you don't know them, you know, like Texas has different rules about advertising versus other states. So not only do you have some broad brush issues, for example, endorsements on LinkedIn, the ABA Mm -hmm. does not like that, you know, the little thing where you can upvote like (laughs) when we were kids, I raised my hand to go to the bathroom and I'm a strategic planner. I got 12 votes. You know, (laughs) you're you're not supposed to put any legal skills in there. Mm -hmm. That's a nuance that is it going to be the end of the world? Probably not. But the first time an attorney runs crosswise against that, they're going to look at that marketer and go, why didn't you know this? Mm-hmm. And then you lose your... So not only could you put the attorney at risk, but you also lose your credibility yeah. if you don't have a good understanding of that. And I do think that comes from working in legal. You yeah. just have to know And there's things. just so many ins and outs and it, it's yeah. across the board. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, I want to ask your advice on one thing. You can't. So you can't I get can't, legal advice. No. No. No legal no. advice. Oh, this, okay. this is but professional. I can give you theater advice. advice. Yeah. Theater, theater advice. advice. Yes. Theater advice. Stay is what I'm okay. A lot of times I see that an attorney has a specific brand themselves. That yeah. brand may be different than the firm's brand. Yeah. How? Yeah. What advice do you have for that attorney that wants to be themselves, that wants to kind of be unique in their firm, but yet know right. it's not exactly aligned with the overall firm's brand? And again, I, I, I'm always a little left of center. I don't know that I'm terribly troubled with an attorney that has their own unique brand. In fact, I think most law firms are a confederation of individuals, you know, and they, and they, they, if you think about how the, the business model of a hospital or a law firm came to be, it's because, well, we need to share resources and then we can also share revenue as a result of this. So, you know, a, there's an element with law, they are very unique personalities and distinct personalities. And just like any of us, we don't want to kill the thing that makes somebody truly successful. And that might be that thing that sets them apart and makes them unique. But by the same token, I think when you can help that attorney realize they might get additional lift from 
complementing that mm-hmm. individual brand to the firm's brand. And I think this is hard for attorneys particularly to get their heads around. Even though they realize the model is about sharing resources and expense, they don't realize that then there's a lift. I, I, you, you, get, you get a scalable investment if you invest in a marketing team that's doing a website consistently and has a consistent voice and is marketing people in a consistent fashion. And then if you're unique, you kind of set yourself in, in uh, uh, not opposition, but in, in complement to that. So it's like, okay, this has a consistent message. They're reaching people in a way I could never reach as an individual. I'm really grateful for the audience growth that the marketing team is doing. I mean, there was one point last year, we reached a million people on our social media. I don't know how it happened. Everyone wanted to know about COVID for the month of March. So you, our Facebook, yeah. Twitter, and LinkedIn went crazy. <laughs> and our website blew up as a result. Now, any individual attorney is not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But then I, as a marketer, need that content. I want different personalities. I mean, there's a reason why uh, ABC doesn't air the same show every half hour. They have different shows for different audiences and different different personalities. But you generally know what an ABC show, ABC show looks like, what a Disney influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's a common look and feel, but they let things have their own voice and air because different people purchase different things. So I guess I, I would say that individual attorney, great, be yourself. But don't be yourself in opposition to or exclusion from the rest of the firm. Mm-hmm. How can you get lift from the overall brand? And if somebody's a real outlier, I had an attorney, I will not mention his name. He had a very unfortunate uh, bio photo that was Joe Lewis's fist <laughs> over his shoulder. And now he knows <laughs> that you're talking about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I don't know. You know, there are a lot of things that can be taken from that. I think he thought it made him look tough. Oh, Okay. And we didn't. And <laughs> and I I at least heard the buzz among the other attorneys. They were like, that picture needs to go. And I was like, oh, I think so too. Let's leverage. This is where the guild helps, where you go, you know what? Let me push you in that direction and, and do a little public shaming. And the next thing I knew, that attorney was like, I think I need a new picture taken. I go, I, you know, what a great idea. Let's get that set up. I know somebody that can help you with that. Help you out. Yes. (laughs) I think you also, and I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. I I don't like the kind of critique. Someone, you know, would say to me, could you not wear a Dungeons and Dragons t-shirt and a blazer when you go on? When you're on a national podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you want to dress a little (laughs) dress for success. And I might not like that input. And I might say, well, my brand is this. But you have to have people say to you, look, you're getting in your own way sometimes. And and if you've built that trust with the person, you can have that conversation. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, if I wanted to come to work and wear something crazy because that's who I am, there's that there's that certain line. You know what I mean? You right. want to be able to dress so that people take you seriously. And, yeah. you know, it's a thing, unfortunately. But When I was at Deloitte, they used to call it a career-limiting move. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you When you work in healthcare or legal, everyone's with a policy and a process yeah. to address every aberrant behavior. And I'm like, just tell people, if you do something stupid, you might not get a promotion. That works wonders, yeah. you know? And and that career-limiting move thing still sticks with me to this day. It's like, if you don't want your mother to read it in the newspaper, don't do it. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> or do it and do it to extreme these days. It's a toss-up. No. <laughs> well, that's true. Just tweet about it and you're Exactly, fine. exactly. Yeah. No, and I've, I've actually, I had a short stint in healthcare too, and they're very... Um, different industries, you know, they are very, yeah. very strict in many ways. Um, a lot more, I don't want to say process, just a lot more very to consider. Process. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I think with the legal industry specifically, we all know that there's that, I don't want to say reluctance to change, but there, there definitely a little
little further behind. So, you know, you were talking a lot about people being able to be themselves and be who they are. And I think we're getting there in the legal industry. There's definitely been changes and, you know, COVID has only uh, sped those up, I would say. But there's still that idea, like you said, that there needs to be some some sort of compliance, you know. And mm-hmm. so I still think there's, there's quite a ways to go in the legal industry. But it, it's definitely there's more uh, people are more welcome to be themselves a little bit. And so that really makes me think about just this past year. I know we always end up talking about this, but the past year has just been crazy. Not only the pandemic, but political things. There's just so much going on. And so to kind of jump back to the marketing aspect of this, how do firms really push their brand out there and and get their agenda out there and target who they're needing to target with everything that's going on and knowing that there's just so many different segments of people out there these days who, unfortunately, there's a little bit more um, unrest between them. You know, there's just, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on. How do you really stay empathetic to all those different parties while you're trying to grow your brand? Well, I think... Um I draw my examples from other places. I don't necessarily always go back to legal and how legal does things. I, I'm I'm a big entertainment junkie, and I no. look at <laughs> yeah, you figure that out. And I'm a big Disney fan, and I look at how Disney handles things. They segment stuff really well, and they yeah. acknowledge the issue that's going on, and they they give it its its due. But they make sure they have a product that kind of fits everybody who has a wallet. Mm-hmm. Now you might somebody might go, well, that's disgusting. Well, that's capitalism. I'm sorry. That's what's what we have. And however the segmentation is, we feel it more poignantly now these days, but it was always there. Oh yeah. We just now have data and the ability to reach them. So I think it has to shift your mindset because I I have to sometimes consult with the attorneys where they're like, why don't I have 500 people attending my webinar? I only have 45. I go, are they the right 45? You'd have 500 people show up, but no one's going to... They're you. just there for the free gift card they get afterwards. Right. You know? Or to say, I got a CLE or I got a, you know, and, and that's True. often we fall into that. We want to give them some free stuff to get them to come because we don't feel we're worthwhile enough. Give them a free CLE so they, they say, well, do we need to do that? Or is what you're offering so strong and powerful? I'll come, I'll come listen to you. Yeah. I, I don't need, I don't need a pizza hut card. I just want to, you know, <laughs> so, and if it's the right 45 people and you've used social media and digital to really target them. And, and you know, if you're kind of a dummy like I am, it's real easy. You go on LinkedIn and you go, I need to boost this post. I'm going to spend 150 bucks. And I want, I want every taxidermist in Saskatchewan to attend this webinar. I can find them. I'm a vegetarian, so I don't like taxidermists. <laughs> but, you know, it, it just... Taxidermy it's, vegetables. It's, it's easy. But we make it harder because we're still applying some old paradigms to it. And we have people force those paradigms on us. I'm like, you just need to reach 10 or 15 people with this offering that are going to be the people that want to hire you. Mm -hmm. So I actually think all that segmentation, as hard as it is to watch as a country, and I wish it would stop. I wish we'd all have more collaborative moments where we realize our common humanity, even though we have divergent interests. But as a marketer, it's and that's probably part of the problem we have culture in this country. The marketers taken over, and you, you're like you can really target your message to the person who's most interested in, it and it becomes an echo chamber. That's the dark side of all of this. The positive is you can really create collaboration and community that defies geography for people to say. You know, I, I see this with my mom. She's a very liberal, um, forward-thinking baby boomer who lives in a very small conservative town in Indiana. And once she got on Facebook and started to find like-minded people, I think 
it both help and helped and hurt her as a human. She was like, but there are people out here who think like me, but why don't I see them at the grocery store? Well, but you can connect with them now in a way you couldn't connect before. And isn't that nice to see that sense of community? So I think that's where we can get lift when we market who we are and what we do with those communities and people that are interested in key topics. I'm over here taking notes in my phone because I'm like, these are great points. Roy, thank you again so much. We sure. absolutely loved having you. Yes, it was great thank having you. you. Yeah, and everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Lex Factor, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com. <laughs>